0: We're continuing with the reading of excerpts from the book Legendary Lake Pend by Jane Fritz and friends, and read by Jane Fritz. Area 4, Pack River to Hope, Overview. Traveling east, past the Sunnyside Peninsula, you reach the Pack River. Born from a high alpine lake on the Selkirk Crest, the Pack River flows many meandering miles before it reaches Lake Ponderay, The river estuary, once wild and essential habitat to herds of elk and deer, and frequented by moose and beaver feeding in the brushy wetland shallows, has been curtailed by residential and golf course development. But south of the highway is still largely undeveloped and known locally as the Pack River Flats. It is both home and haven to a rich biodiversity of wildlife, especially waterfowl. The Pack River Delta is a prime area for viewing wildlife, which is why it is a popular paddle area for canoeists and kayakers. Past the flats and beyond the train trestle, the view looks southeast towards Hope several islands, and an expanse of water that reaches the steep and majestic Green Monarch Mountains. Trestle Creek is a popular area for scuba divers, since a train derailment into the lake in 1904 left several rail cars underwater to explore. Highway 200 from Trestle Creek to Ellisport Bay in Hope is one of the prettiest stretches of road anywhere in Bonner County. It curves and climbs against the mountainous shoreline providing spectacular views of the breadth of Lake Ponderay some of the highway turnouts on this section of road look down the long body of Lake Ponderay the view is breathtaking interpretive signs along the way include information about the ice age floods and geology of the area wildlife and native kalispell and kootenai indian traditional culture a business route off of Highway 200 goes through Hope and East Hope and then loops back again to the highway. It offers some amazing views of three of the lake's islands with the Bernard Slide miles behind them at the southern end of the lake. The view is so expansive that you can actually see the curvature of the earth. It is also one of the best places to watch and photograph our famous Lake Ponderay sunsets. Traveling by water, the area is easily accessed from Hawkins Point at Sunnyside or across the lake from Glengarry Bay. It's a longer boat trip or sail from Bottle Bay or Garfield Bay and a fair distance from Sand Point. Several marinas are found in Ellisport Bay and the only floating restaurant on the lake. The restaurant deck is another place to watch spectacular sunsets this time looking northwest to Schweitzer Basin and the Selkirk Crest. As for trails in this area, one of the longest trails in the region, 19 miles in length, is the B-top to Round Top Trail 120. This is one of the most beautiful and popular scenic areas on Lake Ponderay to enjoy. Wildlife Through the Seasons by Heather McElwain From dawn until dusk, twilight to morn, with each new moon and passing season, Lake Ponderay is home to a diversity of wildlife. Animal trails and bird flyways guide both the everyday and the extraordinary like veins to a heart. Before the sun climbs over the Cabinet Mountains on a spring morning, the lakeshore quickens with sights and sounds Animals leave the water's edge under the cover of pre-dawn light to seek more clandestine refuge. Hiding in shadows, the sun hasn't yet warmed. A black bear shuffles from the rocky shoreline to dense hillside shrubbery. A red fox pads sure-footed in a tall grass meadow along the water. In the midday sun, eagles coil upward on thermals above the lake as an osprey, plummets talons first into a shallow bay and thrusts up clutching a twisting trout. When the sun disappears behind the hills, bronze-colored deer brazenly graze the greening lakeside lawns. The lone howl of a coyote echoes from a secluded cove while moonlight flickers on the roiling waves. As summer's warmth awakens the earth, The lake slowly begins to mirror the shoreline's greening foliage. With an abundance of food in the basin, some animals and birds boldly emerge. Wild turkeys and Canada geese forage raucously in lakeside fields. Grouse rake through leaf-strewn forests close to shore. Snakes and salamanders bask on boulders along the water. Other animals leave cover more cautiously A great horned owl lifts from a signpost near Trestle Creek and glides to a high bough of a ponderosa pine. A silhouetted raccoon scavenges in the moonlight. Often these creatures leave only a hint of their presence, an occasional track, a shed antler or feathers. Inevitably, the air stiffens again, and autumn brings northwest cloudscapes to shroud the sky. Squirrels scurry to stash seeds from fir and pine cones. As hillside grasses shrivel and parch, deer and bear visit ripened gardens and orchards to feed. Flocks of migratory birds descend upon the watery runway, a stopover on their winged voyage south. In the Pack River flats, tundra or whistling swans seek aquatic delicacies in seasonal mudflats. A solitary blue heron wades long-legged into the estuary inlet. Just offshore, coots huddle and sway in mass with the breakers. Though such occurrences become commonplace after years on the lake, some remain unforgettable. A cow moose piggybacking her calf to Fisherman Island. The haunting bugle of the bull elk resounding above the Pack River Delta and the rare wail of the common loon beckoning through the fog. After the first snowfall, tracks expose unseen journeys to the water's edge. Heavily trod trails disappear into dense forests and up steep hillsides. As shallow bays freeze over, tiny footprints on a snow-dusted beach reveal river otters fishing from ice ledges. These impressions punctuate the shoreline and plot any movement to and from the lake. Everywhere around Lake Pend on island, bluff, point, delta, bay, or slough, the sights and sounds narrate a primeval tale of the heart for all seasons. Twilight to morning, dawn until dusk. Lore along the shore, tribal hunting and fishing grounds. The mouth of the Pack River and the shoreline from Trestle Creek to Hope were important hunting and fishing camps for the upper and lower Kalispell. Brush weirs were used in the Pack River Delta to take pike minnows, formerly called squawfish, and suckers. This was also the site of one of their summer villages. From the hill overlooking the mouth of the river, they would await the return of buffalo hunters from the east while also hunting bear and deer there. Another bear hunting camp was between Trestle Creek and Hope with the animals hunted in the surrounding mountains. At another location between Trestle Creek and Hope called Trees Standing on the Edge of the Water, the Upper Kalispell had an early spring fish camp for catching pike minnows. In summer and fall, they built stick weirs to catch whitefish and they would also spear trout in the fall. About a mile from shore, near Hope at the foot of a talus slope, the Kalispell built extensive deer fences for fall deer drives. The Pack River to Hope area and the lands around the Clark Fork Delta were two of the most important locations on Lake Pend Oreille to the tribe because of nature's abundance of fish and wildlife. A Poem by Larry Keith of Hope, Idaho. Listening Point. Ponderay, remember the time before time when in the womb of your mother, Lake Missoula, you heard her tell of the upheaval that violently birthed these mountains. When horizontal layers of rock instantly pitched to angles that today disorient my eye, Appearing to fall directly into their own reflection. Earth's listener, Ore, the ear. Hearing the idea of man, you patiently waited for the word to emerge from the ghostless silence. You've overheard conversations between the circling planets, been witness to Io pleading with Jupiter to tease Saturn while Europa cowered in fear, safely in her father's shadow. Recently, I saw you dancing with the moon to music you heard played by a distant galaxy. Ponderay, I've tried to listen through this omnipresent noise for the voice of the universe. Please teach me to hear what you hear. Cottage Moon by Dennis Nichols Voices float out from somewhere above me, from behind a curtain of maples. I pause, as though trying to make out what the voices are saying. But in fact, I am studying the ascent of countless steps, climbing the brushy hillside to Larry and Karen's house. Tonight, they are hosting a small party at day's end for friends, as the half-moon hangs over Pend a perception of timelessness awakes inside me as we all sit on the cottage porch, following the antics of the ripples and moonlight playing on the lake's hospitable lap. Like silvery shards of fractured glass cast upon endlessly moving waters, the dim glow of the half moon reflects the mood of Ponderay, and hers matches ours. It is a quiet mood full of reflection contemplation. Well into the night we share the camaraderie of friendship, seemingly as old as the moon itself. We watch as boats ply the serene waters, but from our perch high above the shoreline there is no way to know if the people in them are strangers or acquaintances, if they are happy or sad, whether they see the moon as we see it and cherish its performance as it moves among the islands with them. A thin veil of clouds joins our hushed party and shrouds the moon, diffusing its soft light across the waterscape. Ponderay's far side is swallowed up in the darkness, but only for as long as it takes the moon to shrug off the unwanted cloak. The clouds flee, The moon finds the islands once more and the dance resumes. We watch the display of moonlight and water until our eyes become too heavy to watch any longer. The magical spell cast by the moon's sorcery over the waters tonight lulls me into peaceful oblivion. When the moon caresses the shores of Cottage Island and kisses the rocks at Pearl's watery edge, when its radiance glances off the dark boughs of tall timber towering above Warren's upland mounds and bathes the flanks of the cabinets in a soft, ecclesiastical glow, I can almost hear the applause of the stars overhead. As the moon begins the long, slow descent toward Ponderay's western horizon, we each stir, as though awakened from dreams that leave you wishing you were still asleep, Descending down the wooden steps, we make our separate ways home, leaving Larry and Karen to put the moon to bed. Whenever I drive by that brushy hillside with the long flight of stairs leading to my friend's house, my gaze turns to the south, to the islands out beyond the bay. If the winds whip the water on white capped waves, I figure Pondere is restless because she too is lonely without the moon. The magic of the moon on Ponderay fades until night falls once again, and I find a few moments to contemplate the voices I hear, voices of friends, the voice of the wind and the quiet whispering of the lake, urging me to come out and play, to dance once more with the cottage moon over Lake Ponderay. Lake Ponderé Cruises, circling the islands. From Kramer Marina at Ellisport Bay, several couples and families join me as we board the tour boat, Shonadis. Our guide and first mate, Linda Mitchell, passes out lap blankets to keep everybody warm this cool and cloudy autumn day in the open-air boat. A cross between the old steamboats that once navigated these waters in the early 1900s and an Alaskan fishing trawler. It can accommodate up to 30 passengers, plus the crew. It was built by and is usually piloted by the boat's captain, Curtis Pearson. But today, Jim Sabero, a marine deputy for the Bonner County Sheriff's Department, is our skipper. As we cruise out of the bay, some of us get our binoculars ready to watch for bald eagles on Pearl Island a protected sanctuary for the birds. Linda serves coffee and hot cocoa, while Willie, her small dog and second mate, follows behind and easily makes friends with the passengers. We scout the gray sky for the majestic white-headed raptors, but so far all we've seen, or rather heard, is a dozen or so honkers, Canada geese. But we have faith, that in this two-hour cruise we're bound to see at least a couple of eagles as we cruise past Hope Point and Memeloos Island on the south side of the Hope Peninsula. Linda is also our historian and purveyor of the trends of modernity. It's mind-boggling to learn that this small island, a former burial ground of the Kalispell tribe and later settled by white pioneers, is presently for sale by its current owners for more than $16 million. The lakeshore properties in this area are some of the most expensive on Lake Ponderé, says Linda, and although that's interesting, we're here to see a more enduring treasure, the bald eagle. As our captain pilots the boat toward Pearl Island, and Linda talks about her other favorite subjects, explorer David Thompson and the local fur trade of the early 1800s, the Ice Age floods and how most of the water here in Ponderay is fed by tributaries of the Clark Fork River, which flows into the lake just east of us. Nature does not disappoint. Finally one of the passengers spots an eagle flying low toward our destination. As we circle around, we hear an eagle cry from a ponderosa pine nestled in deep foliage towards the center of the small island. Linda tells us that she and Curtis discovered that nest more than six years ago. The adult eagles come back to it year after year to breed, adding new material to the existing structure. Its size is already larger than six feet in diameter and will likely get bigger. We linger offshore to watch the birds with binoculars. The one that was flying has landed in a snag not far from the nest. Its characteristic yellow beak and white hood and tail feathers reveal that it is at least a five-year-old male or female. Eagles can live 25 years or longer, says Linda, and unlike osprey, both parents service the nest, and it's difficult to tell them apart. Our sojourn continues on to Cottage Island and the much larger Warren Island, The history of these islands is colorful and a tad bawdy. It seems that the tiny cottage on the small island was actually a crib or brothel. It's also the oldest building on the Bonner County tax rolls, built in 1882 by the Northern Pacific Railway. The Henry Villard steamboat would bring railroad workers here daily to utilize the services of the ladies. If only those walls could talk, quips Linda. Warren Island has electricity from cable laid on the lake bottom from Hope, but has only a few year-round residents. Linda tells us that Teddy Roosevelt stayed at one of the old cabins on this island during one of his famous hunting and fishing expeditions. As we head back to port, the passengers, all visitors to the area except for me, say that the trip was enjoyable and worthwhile despite the chilly weather. The eagle watching was definitely a highlight of the tour. Besides the cruise around the Hope Islands, Lake Ponderé Cruises also tours the Clark Fork Delta watching for wildlife. These tours occur only on weekends and one other day during the week in the spring and fall. During the summer, the Shauna is moored at Sandpoint City Beach. Linda admits she simply loves her job, and then recounts her most memorable passenger, former First Lady Patricia Kempthorne, whose husband, Dirk, was governor of Idaho at the time. During dinner, a big storm came up, but Mrs. Kempthorne had a blast because she's an experienced sailor, says Linda. A glorious double rainbow over the Clark Fork Delta was enough to convince the First Lady to bring her husband back here from Boise for their 25th wedding anniversary, a tour that lasted five hours. Anecdota, Bobby Kennedy's tugboat life. There are aspects of living on and around Lake Ponderay that most of us never really think about or simply take for granted, like who drove all those pilings that make up the area's marinas and bridges. And how did the power and telephone cables reach the residences on Warren Island? And who rescues boats stranded by violent storms that move through the area, tossing vessels up on shore as if they were Neptune's playthings? Tugboats, barges, and cranes. Their influence and mechanical appeal created a unique lifestyle and a lifetime of hard physical work that Bobby Kennedy says he wouldn't trade for a million bucks. He liked spending time on the lake, and becoming a tugboat operator was what he always wanted to do, ever since he first took the helm of his dad's tugboat when he was only eight years old. Then, at age ten, with just a little assistance, Bobby drove his first piling. Maybe there is some ancestral connection With Irish shipbuilding that is in Bobby's blood, or the influence of his granddad's life spent on the coast of Nova Scotia before emigrating to the West. But after nearly 50 years of working on and off Lake Pondere in one way or another, including as a former member of the Bonner County Sheriff's Marine Division, Bobby Kennedy considers his life on Lake Pondere as very special. This is the best that it can get. Just growing up here was magical enough for me, he says. In 1946, his dad, Fred Kennedy, built the first marina in the Sandpoint area where Sandpoint Marina is today. Fred also owned the powerhouse building next door. From here, Bobby soloed his first tugboat, hauling a huge barge across the lake when he was 15. A tugboat is an awesome piece of machinery. It's not like an outboard. You become a part of it, says Bobby. That kind of man-made power was evident in the log boom that measured 36 feet wide by a mile long, called a braille, that four tugboats would pull, hauling up to two million board feet of logs from the mouth of the Pack River to Albany Falls. In good weather, the trip took four days, and the crew would eat and sleep on the tugs. They had to negotiate four bridges along the way and then release all that timber to Diamond Match Company at Albany Falls. The efficiency and speed of logging trucks replaced barges moving timber to sawmills and the last log tow by tugboat was in 1960. That same year the Kennedy family got out of the marina business and focused on lake construction projects eventually moving to East Hope and building a home on Ellisport Bay. In addition to construction work, they also managed a charter business with four fishing boats. I still recall many mornings years ago driving west on Highway 200 from my home in Clark Fork and watching the Kennedy's small but mighty diesel tugboat noisily chugging along, hauling a gigantic crane on a big barge on its way to do work somewhere on the lake, far from Ellisport Bay. Since Bobby didn't marry until his late 50s, he often worked alongside his dad building log booms, bridges, marinas, or laying underwater utility cables. They built and then hauled into place the floating restaurant at Hope Marine back when it was called the Golden Hind. They also worked together on the Albany Falls and Cabinet Gorge hydroelectric dams and built the U.S. Navy's First dock at Cape Horn. Bobby even hauled the Navy's quarter scale model of the Seawolf class attack submarine down to Bayview, a trip that took almost five hours. Storms were situations where the Kennedy's tugboats and equipment became rescue vessels. Bobby still remembers negotiating 10 foot waves around Hope Point during the summer of 1991 to reach several marine vessels that washed ashore on Memeloos Island, a result of a sudden freak storm. Since Bobby has had to do a lot of rescue work, he offers this advice for boaters choosing to spend the night on the wild shores of Lake Ponderay. Rather than parking your boat for the night on a beach, take a rope from shore and tie the boat off in deeper water, putting an anchor off the front and pointing the boat into the wind. Otherwise, he says, if a storm comes up during the night, you might find your boat underwater in the morning. In the years before global positioning systems, and back before county navigation lights were placed on the lake, Bobby learned from his dad to navigate at night using star constellations, mountain peaks against a dark skyline, and a compass. The Kennedys sold their tugboat business to Charlie Kramer in 1989. Fred retired to enjoy the lake on the Lottie May, named for his wife. It was a unique marine vessel, to be sure, a 50-foot by 22-foot barge with a motorhome welded on top. Before his death in 1999, Fred Kennedy could be seen chugging down to Bayview and back. Today, Bobby Kennedy, now married with family and in his mid-sixties, still manages to keep busy working on various projects around the lake and still gets out on the water as often as he can. But now he only owns one small barge with two outboards and a powerboat for family recreation. He wonders if those magical years of living here have passed with the area growing so fast and with so much activity on the lake. He observes that people seem too busy to really enjoy a truly relaxing lifestyle. If you can sit a spell, Bobby has plenty of other amazing stories about Lake Ponderay to share. Jane Fritz has been reading from her book, Legendary Lake Ponderay, Idaho's Wilderness of Water, published in 2010 by Kioki Books of Sandpoint, Idaho. The Bookshelf is a production of Spokane Public Radio. With Vern Windham, I'm co-producer Nancy Roth.